Hello, welcome back to The Road to Rescue, and I'm Sean Griffin. I'm joined here with my incredible co-host. Ken Heiderbrecht. Sean, we uh, we also co-host another show called The Honor of Kings, eh? That's right, and I have, oh. to, I have to remind myself every episode, which show am I on right now? <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, so sometimes, sometimes I... it can get... It can get confusing because we we talk about a lot of the same stuff on each on each show, and so and we're you know we're always making up scripts and stuff like that for the presentation and stuff. So it's just sometimes it <laughs> I forget too. What, what are we doing on our kings tonight, or are we doing the, the road to rescue tonight? But. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun, regardless, man. We just just get to dig in, study the scriptures, and see what they say. Not not what Sean says, not what Ken says, but let's see what the word says, and that's. Just a, you know what we've tried to do here on the road to rescue is exemplify all the component pieces of the day of the Lord. Right, this is the return of our Savior Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus of Nazareth. This is the return of Him, prophesied throughout all the prophets. And there's so many descriptions of how He returns, and all these all these things that go into this day in the Scriptures called the day of the Lord. Yeah, and that's the whole premise behind this show and why we named it The Road to Rescue because it's we want to talk about all the constituent elements that take place on the day of the Lord. And yeah, as, as part for the course for this show, we're going to do that again tonight with this this topic about the new covenant. So That's right. So that's why we said we titled this one Are You in the New Covenant because um, there is we're going to go through the scriptures tonight that describe and define the new covenant and what that means to the day of the Lord. Because it actually, believe it or not, just in case you've never had anyone say this, or heard anyone talk about this in a sermon or a teaching or anything, it matters. The day of the Lord and the new covenant go are synonymous, and it matters. So we'll just we'll jump right in, Ken, if you're ready. Yeah, I'm totally ready. And Sean, I just wanted to say that this it was this discussion, this topic on the new covenant that kind of solidified. Um, how do I say it? Not my trust in you as a brother. But this is kind of something that we rallied behind early on a few years back when we first met was this idea of the new covenant. I thought I was the only one literally on our earth plane that was questioning whether or not, you know, what is this covenant jargon all about? Am, am I missing something here? Why am I seeing some things differently and, and in opposition to what, you know, the mainstream theological perspective is? And then, you know, we, we kind of met online and you were, you were asking the same questions too. And we were coming to a lot of similar conclusions. So gotta say man this is this is kind of that moment this is the discussion where uh i had to say this is sean griffin is it is number two on the earth that believes what i believe with regards to this. so <laughs> well I, honestly though we you know in the past few years we've ran into many scattered brethren um online that have have been asking the same questions you know yeah. and that they're now asking because they start to see the glaring potholes in the in the traditional teaching and so that's why we're you know we're putting on our hard hats tonight. We're cracking open the word and we're coming in with a shovel full of gravel to fill in those potholes. And that gravel is full of the scriptures. Um, thanks for humoring the bad little analogy there. But the point is, um, we're, we're trying to do this from scripture. This is not Sean and Ken's opinions. We're just going to define from scripture the details of the new covenant in comparison with the old covenant. And then we're going to draw a conclusion here at the end of the show. So make sure to put your comments down below. Watch the whole thing. Um, whether you disagree or agree, that's fine. You can hit the like button if you agree. Hit the disagree button, uh, which is the thumbs down button if you don't agree. And that's okay. Ultimately, though, uh, we appreciate you being here and testing the word with us. Uh, we just ask that you refrain from any derogatory or off-topic comments in the questions or in the comments section in the video. 
just simply because it's not edifying to anybody, not even to you, the person typing it. So uh, just be kind, treat everyone with love, and that's what we ask for the comment section. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, I think right. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray real quick. I think we'll start off with a quick word of prayer, yeah. and then we'll get going. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we have the opportunity to have access to it in these days. And Father, I just thank you that we have brothers out there that are taking advantage of the ability to, um, you know, study your word, Father, because it's so readily available. We have so many translations and so many copies and so much access to this information, Father, that there's really no excuse. And so I just thank you that there are brothers out there that are willing to sharpen iron and to test and to be Bereans. And so I ask that Father, that we would do that tonight as well, and that um, everyone that may be watching, whether now or later on, Father, would just, um, yeah, in like manner as the Bereans, just test what we have to say, see if they line up with what the scriptures say. And so, Father, I just ask that your spirit would be among us, and that um, at the end of the day, we just want to know what the truth is, and we want to proclaim that truth to the nations, Father, as a, as a bright and shining light. And uh, so we thank you so much for, for your word as it's you know, bread to us. It's nourishment and um, it's amazing. So we just thank you for that. Yeshua's authority. Amen. Amen. All right. So the first, uh, first verse that we would like to discuss is actually probably the most famous, right? Ken, it's just the, every, when everyone says a new covenant, most of the time they're going to start quoting Jeremiah 31, right? Yeah, that's the go-to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremiah 31 is that's the chapter that really, you know, threw me off a few years back when I was trying to understand covenants. And uh, right. there's a few verses as we're going to discuss tonight that I was just, you know, the more I learned that I wanted to take the scriptures literally and understand, you know, the timing of things and take that literal. I had to, I had to question some of the stuff, and so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. So we got Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares Yahweh. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares Yahweh. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, No, Yahweh, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So as I said, that was the passage that uh, really made me question. You know, I had to scratch my head a little bit there and say, well, what the heck is going on with, with some of these latter verses here where it says that, Everyone will know Yahweh in that day, and there will be no one teaching each other anymore how to know Yahweh, right? Which, in my opinion, we're doing that literally right now as we speak. Like yes. we're living, breathing, <laughs> in the moment, um, prophetic. Yeah, absolutely. Just as you read, we're still teaching each other to know the Lord, to know Yahweh. And that's, that's right. That That is the introduction of the Father. That's not the introduction, by the way. That's just... Repeating through the prophet Jeremiah, this idea of the new covenant and giving us some qualifiers of what it's going to look like. Yeah, so, exactly. what what possibly in Scripture have we read that would tell us that we're going to get to a place at some point where we don't have to teach other people to know Yahweh? That everyone from the greatest to least is just going to know Him. 
in this scripture here where it tells us that the prophet Jeremiah is given this concept here of the new covenant that the Father's going to make with people. And uh, the, the immediate qualifier he gives to explain this new covenant is that people, well, <laughs> he's going to put their law within their heart and write it on them. He will be their God and they shall be my people, right? That's something he goes over. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother to know Yahweh, for they will all know him from the least of, of them to the greatest of them. And he will forgive their iniquity and their sin. He will remember no more. Okay, so these are huge qualifiers. The biggest one is the laws in their heart is written within them and on their heart. And he will be their God and they shall be his people. Now, we actually see that terminology of I will be their God and they shall be my people. We see that terminology in other places um, throughout the scriptures. And we're going to go through those those verses here in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, but like I mentioned, Sean, the, the one that really stood out to me when I first started to test this was just the whole, everyone will know me, right? You were not going to be right. teaching each other anything anymore. You're not going to be splitting off into multiple denominations and, and you know, spitting vitriol at each other and telling each other, you know, this is how you know, know Yahweh. No, this is how you know Yahweh. And this is, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, to that's me, right. that was the indicator that there's no way if that's the one of the parameters that stood out to me, if that's, you know, within this new covenant concept, which I'm going to take literally, then how can we be in that day? That's right. So. And part of knowing Yahweh is understanding his law, his instructions for living, uh, because that's how he literally defines walking with him is to walk in his commandments, his, his ordinances, the terms of the covenant. And that's where if he's going to take the terms that were given for the old covenant, he's going to write them on our heart in the new covenant so that that's we right. So that they're already on there. We don't. We don't have to learn them anymore, right? So if you, if you, if you're out there listening and you're like, "But it's already written in my heart. I believe in Jesus Christ." Okay, cool. Recite uh, Leviticus seventeen eleven right now without looking. Or, well, and <laughs> they will. They will not. say they they follow the spiritual application of whatever I know, law that I know. may be, right? So obviously, these all these different episodes that Sean and I, you know, do on this channel. It's it, you have to understand all these other constituent parts of what this day of the Lord is all about, right? So you have to understand the first resurrection. You have to understand what we're going to become at the resurrection, which is all part of what we're talking about with this covenant, right? Where we're literally going to have the law emblazoned upon our heart where we can no longer ever literally transgress. Where right now, guys, I will admit I'm a transgressor. Yeah. So yeah, we, I'm, we, I'm doing what... Yeah, exactly. I'm doing what Jeremiah 4 says and circumcising my own heart right now, right? Through the sanctification process, through being discipled, through learning, through prayer, through striving, right? Through running the race. But along the way, I'm transgressing the law. So I can say nicely that, yes, the law is on my heart. I can say that, but it's not literal because it, I believe that that's a literal application of what, you know, this new covenant is all about. So, yes. So let's look at uh, further examples here in Enoch chapter 60. All right, Enoch 60, 4 to 6, it says, And Michael sent another angel from among the holy ones, and he raised me up. And when he had raised me up, my spirit returned, for I had not been able to endure the look of, the, of this host and the commotion and the quaking of the heaven. And Michael said unto me, Why art thou disquieted with such a vision? Until this day lasted the day of his mercy. And he hath been merciful and long-suffering towards those who dwell on the earth. And when the day and the power and the punishment and the judgment come, which the Lord of Spirits hath prepared to those who worship not the righteous law, and for those who deny the righteous judgment, 
for those who take his name in vain, that day is prepared for the elect, a covenant, but for sinners, an inquisition. The wording here can be a little tricky, but what it's talking about is it's basically saying that these are the these are the things for those who reject the Father. Um, this day is prepared, and it's an inquisition that they're going to get, right? They've taken his name in vain. His name is his authority. So they've taken that in vain. They've not respected it. Um, they've not you know, respected the righteous law, which is God's instructions to us for living, the terms of the covenant, the commandments he's instructed us to keep. So therefore, by behaving like that, they have overall rejected his authority, which is the one who commanded that. That hence the term commandments. <laughs> That's right. Right. So, but it says on that day, though, for the elect is prepared a covenant, but for the sinners is there's there's an inquisition ready, right? And this is where you know there's um it's not going to be something where they they don't get the new covenant basically. Yeah. So where where in scripture do we have this idea of there being yet another a newer covenant even? You know, if we're already in the new covenant and it apparently got inaugurated in the first century when Yeshua was at the last supper there and he was saying that the new covenant of my blood is in, in this blood and he's doing the Passover there. Where do we right. see anywhere else in scripture that there's yet another covenant to happen in the future? We don't see that. Because this verse here is from Enoch 60. So this was written before the flood. That's right. And this is telling the, and he's actually talking about the day of the Lord in verses four and five. We sum out the you know the quaking of the heaven, the commotion, and this day of mercy is merciful and long suffering toward those who dwell on the earth, and the day of power, punishment, and judgment come. And yeah. so, as Ken's talking about, this is Enoch talking about the day of the Lord and connecting this covenant with the day of the Lord. Yet we have people already claiming that the the Passover supper inaugurated a new covenant. Actually, they don't even technically Ken. Some people say that, and other people say it was his resurrection that put us into the new covenant. And I'm like, yeah. well. Here's the deal. The father has a long-standing history of how he does things. And one of the ways of how he enacts a covenant is through a covenant meal where he tells you what's going on. And he tells you, this is why we're having this meal. Do you want to be in this covenant or not? So that didn't happen at the resurrection and that didn't happen at the last supper because the Passover already has its own explanation and already has its own significance. That's right. It, doesn't, yeah. it wasn't just absconded to mean something else that night. So the, Jesus cannot cannot override the Father's eternal instructions, and the Passover is an eternal ordinance that we're to keep as as believers. So Jesus can't just make up a new meaning for that Passover. That that would be completely, irregardless of that would be uh, outside of the parameters of keeping the commandments. So, yeah, Sean. I mean, it, and it doesn't help that we have practically every translation of the scriptures out there have that dividing wall between the front of the book. And the you know the first two thirds of the book and the latter third, and it's this New Testament, New Covenant, right? Where it's we're ingrained when we come to that, you know, that page as like, okay, everything on this side means we're in the new. That's the old, right? Yeah. And I love how Rob Skiba a few years back was just like, tear that thing out, right? Like, because it it totally throws people off. It really does, and it's it's put in in there from translators who yes they can translate the words they know the, the ancient languages quite well but that doesn't mean that automatically that goes hand in hand with understanding the con taught like the overall context of of the scriptures right so yeah and that's actually one of our goals tonight is to show you all these mentions of the new covenant and the context around them the actual descriptions and 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 implementation of the idea in the context of their mention and this will help us flesh out the timing of actually when this thing happens. 
So that's where you want to run to the Baruch passage. First Baruch chapter two, 31 to 35. And it says, and shall know that I am the Lord, their God, for I will give them an heart and ears to hear, and they shall praise me in the land of their captivity and think upon my name and return from their stiff neck and from their wicked deeds. For they shall remember the way of their fathers, which sinned before the Lord. And I will bring them again into the land, which I promised with an oath unto their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they shall be lords over it. And I will increase them, and they shall not be diminished. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them to be their God, and they shall be my people. And I will no more drive my people of Israel out of the land that I have given them. So once again, Sean, I mean, we've got time qualifiers here, right? I mean, I I believe that we're in that moment where we're still in the captivity, and we're starting to remember the way of the fathers. That's right. I mean, there's no way that that was only referring to the first century. No, because they the, the the people who were in captivity in Babylon, which that would be the time period of Baruch, right? Baruch being a contemporary with Jeremiah, which means Baruch himself went into exile in Babylon, you know, through a course of events. And this is this is not because when we see Nehemiah in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, and the, the exiles coming back from Babylon um, out of captivity, they haven't forgotten. I mean, they have the the priesthood hasn't forgotten. The, the ways of Yahweh. That's why they teach it to the regular people, right? And they remind them of everything, what's going on. And there's a great mourning and a repentance that happens. Um, and that's already happened. That's already They've already been gathered in. And no new, no new covenant was made. They just re-upped on the original covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, that was always been established. So there was no moment of, let's make a new covenant with God. It was just simply, okay, this is what we have not been doing. Let's get back to doing that. This yeah. is how we walk with God, right? And that's that's... The whole concept of the, the regathering that Baruch is talking about here is an end time regathering that we see parroted in Deuteronomy and many other places. That's right. And it, and it says that the father himself will bring them again into the land, right? And right. they're going to be lords over the land. We don't see that, guys. They we, weren't, we, yeah, they weren't like lords over the land when they returned from Babylon. Yeah. Babylon still owned them. <laughs> they were just allowed to come back and rebuild the temple and live back in their land again, but they were still under someone else's thumb. Exactly. And then we got the last sentence here where it says, and I will no more drive my people of Israel out of the land. So that's, right. that happened in 70 AD, that whole, you know, time frame there. So yeah. And of course events. we have this, uh, this little phrase here again, just like we read in the, in the first one here in Jeremiah 31, I will make an everlasting covenant with them to be their God and they shall be my people. So I want people to remind, remember this phrase. We're going to see this often because this is a phrase that he strongly associates with the new covenant all throughout scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Sean and I are actually going through um, the books of Baruch over on honor of Kings and, you know, we're discussing how Baruch and Jeremiah obviously are contemporaries, but they're, you know, they're being told the same message here, guys. Okay. You, you're, you're witnessing Jerusalem and it's destruction right now, but you know, be of good cheer. There's going to be a day when I'm going to regather all of you back into the land and it's going to be by my hand. Right. And so Jeremiah has this, obviously this consistent message along with Baruch. So it would be, you know, in my opinion, it's, it's, they're going to have the same type of prophetic utterances from the father around the same time period, which makes total sense to me that this is what we see here in first Baruch as well as in Jeremiah 31. Yeah. It, it, we're going to just amplify this a little bit more guys. So let's go to Deuteronomy. We're going to be in chapter 30 
And Ken, if you'll do the honors of pulling up that slide, it'd be great, brother. Absolutely. Deuteronomy 30, 1 to 8. So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons, then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you back. The Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all the commandments which I command you today. It's beautiful, Sean. I love I love every time I read that I get, you know, chills. Yeah. One of my favorite passages, not only does it mention the regathering of those who are scattered, but my favorite passage is probably the direct parallel with the idea of verse five or verse six, excuse me, talking about the circumcision of the heart. That's right. Well, God says, I will circumcise your heart for you. And this is the whole concept of Jeremiah 31, where we just read earlier, where he says, I'll write my law in your hearts. <laughs> so, right. so this is a contextual qualifier of the regathering. And at the end of days, uh, on the day of the Lord, and that whole episode was devoted to the big component piece of the day of the Lord being the first resurrection. So this yeah. is this moment that uh, that we believe Jeremiah 31, Deuteronomy 30, Enoch 60, they're talking about the regathering of what's going on this day. And this is when he will write his laws on our hearts so that we will not have to learn them anymore and we will never fail to do them. Therefore, all of our sin and iniquity will be forgiven and remembered no more. And uh, because we literally will walk in his ways perpetually without fail, we will be made perfect as yeah. Hebrews 11 tells us. So that so. you may live, as Yahweh says, when he does all this, so that you may live and live eternally, which is amazing because, I mean, we can talk about what Yeshua and the uh, the rich man, you know, discuss when the rich man asks what he must do to have eternal life. And, you know, we've done episodes on that, guys, but it's, it's a fascinating little discussion there. And it points to doing the commandments and that you may live, right? Yeah. You may inherit eternal life. So, In fact, Ken, that was, I almost wanted to name this episode, uh, Do This and You Will Live. But I instead, I decided on the title that you, you saw, but um, because that hopefully to get people's minds thinking about this comment that we see throughout Deuteronomy and the Old Testament that Jesus is parroting in the New Testament. Because again, Old New Testament is just a page divider in the book. It doesn't mean that there's any any difference in doctrine, right? That's because right. the epistle writers and Yeshua himself um, teach the same doctrine as Moses. So if you think they teach something different, it reveals that you don't understand what Moses taught. And this is the whole concept of doing this and you will live. Well, God told Moses to tell all the Israelites, you, here's the behavior. Here's my behavior. I'm, I'm showing you how I live and how I breathe and how I behave. And if you do these things, you too will live. So there are plenty of faithful people that did do those things, but they're all dead. So is God a liar? No, he was always talking about the resurrection. And this, and this, we're actually going to prove that case throughout this, uh, throughout this show as we dig into Genesis a little bit.